Good Shepherd Sermon for Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. Pastor John Melke. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church and School is located in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, in the United States. Our mission is simple and bold. We seek to grow in faith and knowledge of our Savior Jesus. We want to make him known to others so that they too may share the joys that Jesus has won for them. Here's Pastor. God never commanded his people, according to his word, the Bible, to observe the season of Lent. So why are we here? Why are we gathered together for a luncheon beforehand, and then we gather together for a service for the next five Thursdays to focus on a special theme in the season of Lent? It certainly is not to earn God's favor or to give up something for Lent. The ladies did a great job today, didn't they? I know I didn't give up food for Lent. Why are we here to gather around God's Word in the special season of Lent? Well, when I got back from worshiping with St. Paul's, your brothers and sisters say hello, yesterday for their two services, I went back home and I grabbed my podcast or my YouTube channels, my subscriptions, and I looked at all the various Wells churches and see, what are you doing during your season of Lent? What are you focusing on? What is your theme? And they varied from church to church. But I was kind of curious to discover that most of the sermons were on this same reading, or at least one similar to it, maybe a different gospel account, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I thought, oh, that makes sense, because probably on Ash Wednesday, if they didn't have a snowstorm, they still had church. And they probably focused on the Lord's Supper. And now they're focusing on the next step of Jesus in the garden. Well, if you saw the picture of Jesus on the screen earlier, to prepare us for that last hymn we just sang, you might get a different view of what Jesus was going through. We are not going to see the German painter Heinrich his painting that's famous where Jesus is there with a bright light shining down from above, with a serene look on his face, you're seeing a man who is beaten, a man who is tired, a man who is really sighing, as we think about our theme today, he's sighing because he's in pain, he's suffering. And so we want to behold the hidden glory of the cross of Jesus today. We see him in the hidden sighs. It's Thursday. It's late at night. Jesus and his disciples have celebrated the Passover, and now the Lord's Supper has been instituted. Judas has been told by Jesus, go ahead and do your diabolical deed. And now those disciples go with Jesus out of that upper room in Jerusalem. They go down the steps, quietly through, running through the streets of Jerusalem, out to the Kidron Valley, along the ridge, to come to a garden grove called Gethsemane. He leaves eight at the gate and takes Peter, James, and John with him. And he says to them, Keep praying that you may not enter into temptation. Since that comes up a little bit later, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. And then Jesus, we're told, according to Luke's Gospel, withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed. Burdened by the sins of the world already, 
the Son of God is bowing his head down in the dirt. As he was in agony, he prayed more fervently. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. We usually think about Jesus suffering on a cross. But even now, he's suffering. The burden is on his shoulders already. And we are told in Matthew's gospel that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Why? Because of what the prophet Isaiah had said. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we find our Savior God, a man who's worn down, who's grieving, who's frustrated about what's going on. His disciples are sleeping, and we find Jesus doing what? He falls to his face to the ground and says, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Who's he talking to? He calls him by name, Father. Why could he call him his father? Because he remembers those words of the psalmist. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are still with me. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Father, I know what I'm going to be going through. I understand it has to be done, but if there's other, another plan, something better than me having to die, the weight is great. Let me know soon. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Did Jesus really ask not to go through this suffering? I mean, he'd been talking about it for three years in his public ministry. Yes, he did. That's how difficult it was for him. As he's sighing over this burden, the weight of his shoulders of the whole world sins on his shoulders. And yet he said what? If you are willing. He wanted to do his Father's will. If Jesus was going to be Jesus, then he would have to do his Father's will. If Jesus was going to be the Savior, he would have to do whatever his Father wanted him to do. Father, if you are willing. And what was God's will? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. So behold the hidden glory in the cross of Jesus. It is hidden in the Savior's size. Then an angel appears out of nowhere, not to ward off Jesus' enemies, but to simply strengthen him and go back to heaven. And then Jesus goes to those disciples, those three close friends of his, and what happens? They are sleeping. We might be thinking to ourselves, or Jesus might have been thinking, why, why aren't you here to help me? Don't you see I'm in trouble? I'm having heartaches? Where's your support? But I think you can understand why these disciples were sleeping, why they are so tired. Remember what they had gone through? It's been a rough week. Well, along with Jesus, they had traveled every day from Bethany two miles away, uphill to Jerusalem, across the Kidron Valley, up those streets, through the city gate, to the temple in Jerusalem. And what did they hear day in and day out? Rioting, false accusations, ridicule, 
trying to get the people against Jesus and the police on their side and the politicians on their side against Jesus? No wonder that the Apostle Luke says that they were sleeping as a result of sorrow. So Jesus comes to these disciples, and what does he say? Get up and keep praying, there it is again, so that you may not enter into temptation. Again, you might be thinking, maybe Jesus would rather have said, don't you guys get it? I need help here. Where's my support system? But no, he doesn't do that. It's not about him. It's about his disciples. Get up and pray. He's praying not for himself. He's praying for them. Why? He's sighing over the fact that he knows them very well. He knows their weaknesses. And what is their weakness? We know what Peter's weakness was, right? Lord, I'll never deny knowing you. And yet, sometime later, he's going to deny knowing his Lord. Peter and John, or James and John, brothers, they said, Oh, we're pretty cool guys. Why don't we get a chance to be high up in your kingdom? And of course, in a few moments, they're going to run like scared rabbits and ask themselves, Will we ever see Jesus again? What's going to happen to us? So Jesus says, get up and pray. Not for his benefit, but for theirs. Are you like those disciples? Do you have... The Apostle Paul tells us we do. He says in Romans that the sinful flesh is hostile to God, a constant enemy of God. It does not submit to God's command, nor can it. We have this old Adam, this old Eve, which is in constant battle against God's perfect will. So like the disciples, we have our weaknesses. There are times when we decide that, Lord, I'm going to argue over something that's foolish and try to get my own way. I'm going to gossip about somebody. I'm going to claim that you don't care about me. And the list goes on and on of all the commands that I have against my God. I'm willing to listen to him. I feel that in my mind, in my heart. What about you? As you feel the burden of your own weakness, of your own pet sins, petty sins they may be, what are you going to do? What can be done? It's kind of sad. Jesus is weeping, sighing, and I never shed a tear over my sins. Is that how you are too? Is it possible that we are willing to say to the Lord God himself, Lord, I know you want us to do this or that, but I know you'll forgive me when I do wrong, so I'm just going to keep on doing it anyway. And Lord God, just keep on giving me the toys to play with and the pleasures of life and my family and my friends and my job, and I'm just going to use those for myself and not give you the glory. What are we going to do about that? What did Jesus do? He said, get up and pray. 
Jesus did not reject his disciples, did he? He didn't destroy them. What happened after he rose from the grave? He announced forgiveness to them. He announced that they are forgiven of all their past sins of denial and betrayal, running away from him, scared, and any of those sins they had in their thoughts, words, and minds. He turned out to be their Savior. Promised from a long time ago. He does the same thing for you. Shortly after he leaves the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he do? Or actually, what happens to him? A whip is used to tear the flesh off his back. Crown of thorns crush into his skull. Nails through his hands and his feet. But that's not the worst of it. He died for your sin and guilt and mine too. He was separated from God's love. He suffered hell itself. Someone new to the faith asked themselves the question as they're studying God's word, why so gruesome of a tale? Why so cruel of a death for this man, this Savior God that we worship and adore? And his teacher responded by saying, there is no other alternative except that you become the burden and you take on the weight of those sins on your shoulders yourself, which you cannot do. But Jesus could and did. So behold the Savior in his hidden size tonight. Weighed down by the burden about to, he's about to face, but willing to go according to his Father's plan and perfect will. Praise be to God that he's the same God of yesterday and today, the same God of those disciples who knows their weaknesses, he knows our weaknesses, our doubts, our struggles, and the constant pressure we face to live according to God's plan. So what is Lent all about? It's not about earning God's favor. It's not about a gross death of an innocent martyr. I referenced that hymn before, The Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane's serenity, so pleasant in the past, was shattered by a piercing cry. Our Savior stood aghast. To see the curse inside the cup, to sense what soon would be unleashed against his sinless soul beyond Gethsemane. Gethsemane's intensity, revealed in blood-like sweat, led Christ to pray for he would pay sin's awful crushing debt. My father, find another way to set the sinner free. Your will, not mine, be done, he said in sad Gethsemane. Gethsemane's immensity can still be seen today. The father's will was crystal clear. There is no other way. Move on, my son. Your death alone can save humanity. So, bound and destined for the cross, Christ left Gethsemane. Gethsemane's tranquility Returned again that night. The conflict moved to Calvary where Jesus won the fight. There is no cup for us to drink, no curse, no penalty to know the lavish love of God. Recall Gethsemane. That's why we are here for Lent. That's your blessing this Lenten season. Amen.